Okay, so jumping back in here on track four, Bullfight for an Empty Ring. Um, this one comes out guns blazing, lyrics-wise. And I just wanted to read a couple lines to back that up. It says, Another protest and the world is in distress. Another bomb explodes and another finger blames the press. Shoot before the arrest. Guns for teachers, Kevlar vests. Cardboard for the homeless. Cake to feed the dispossessed. So light the coal. Your future is a dust bowl. You can't see the sun because oil pays the bankroll. I love it. It's crazy. I love it. Yeah. That, was, that might and, be my favorite chunk of lyrics on the whole record, too. Well, and even though I was taken a little bit back by how serious the lyrics are, I really appreciate the lyricism of like how he was writing things and uh, just like in just all the lyrics. Uh, that was one thing that stood out to me because there are a lot of lyrics on this record, obviously, but he has, he's really just going at it in, in a good way that his lyrics back it up. Yeah. It felt, it felt really clever. Like it, it made me make that face TJ that you were just making. <laughs> It's like, oh damn, like that's yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I was taken aback, but like in a good way. So moving on to track five, Renegades. This to me is another one that's really fiery and angry, lyrically. Yes, you picked up on that, Mister Vibe Guy. <laughs> well, yeah, just listen to the music. It sounds angry. True, it does. That bass sounds angry. That bass is so good starting it's- out. I like I like there's a lot of like fuzz on a lot of the bass yeah, on this it's like record. Distorted. Yeah. I felt they did a lot of cool production points on this. I, I for the most part I listened the first two times on headphones, so I was able to hear a little bit more stuff, but I liked what they were doing production wise of keeping like their sound fresh and like trying new things. There's a lot of new elements I feel that they introduced on here. Um so production wise I feel like it was really good and had a lot of things to keep it interesting throughout the whole record Mm -hmm. as a side note. I did want to bring up one thing lyrically on this song that struck me as kind of confusing or strange. It's clearly an indictment on greed, violence and corruption in maybe the political sphere, um, the minority holding a lot of power and having a negative impact on the masses but it's just weird that there's a reference to pacifists in a song that seems to be a super angry kind of violent song. Yeah. That one kind of threw me off. Yeah. It just seems a little out of place. Cause like all, everything else he's saying makes sense. But then uh, that was the line that I was like, how does, how does this fit into what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And it begs the question at least to me, what is the goal of this song? If a song is like a manifesto or a thesis on how life could look, then for this one, what is it trying to communicate? Um, And I just wanted to read some lyrics to point out the sort of paradox lyrically. So the chorus says, Renegades, we will be tearing down your barricades. Renegades, hear the riots from your motorcades. Renegades, huddled masses, storm your palisades. Renegades, make your fortune while daylight fades. And then in a verse later, he seems to be sort of combining the idea of conservative Christian culture with political systems or power structures. 
and he says, you want his followers, but not the pacifists. You want your ledgers black. We want our children back. And I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I just can't make sense of it right now. Maybe it makes sense of like you want his followers and I guess the traditional sense of people that are voting Republican and right. gun-toting Republicans that you want those followers, but not the pacifists. Yeah, that's kind of that how I'm like reading it. Jesus that are trying to be like, well, I don't think the, the turn the other cheek. The, right. Yeah, and I could see that. That's how that line makes sense to me, I guess. For sure. And I totally agree with that. It does make perfect sense. The part that doesn't make sense to me, the point I'm trying to make is, Reese, are you a renegade that's going to tear down a barricade? Or are you a pacifist? Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, how is he identifying? Because he's kind of calling for, yeah, because he's saying like, hey, this is going to happen. Like, this violence is going to happen from the people that are being treated through unjustly. Right. also, maybe I'm going to be siding with the pacifists that shouldn't be doing that, or huh. <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing. That's a really good point. You're so smart. Yeah, very analytical. Well, I just I would love to talk to Reese about it. I think he would have a lot to say about it. I bet he would have an articulate, yeah. wonderful response about why that lyric is there. Yep. Uh, anything else I have on this song is uh, one. The chorus is super catchy. Um, that was another one I got stuck in my head afterwards, but this one, like the lyrics in this one, I mean, it's, it's tough because it's referencing like Sandy hook, which is a really heavy. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to swallow and just like to listen to on like a five minute song in the middle of a record. So it's one of those ones I'm sure like a soon to be talked about one of whenever y'all covered POD's, uh, like use of a nation. It's like one of those, it was a real important song, but it's not a song like the subject matter of it. Isn't one that I like want to revisit and listen to because it's so heavy. So I feel like this song kind of has a little bit of that for me. Like I understand it's important and you shouldn't just like sweep it under the rug, but it's probably not a song I'm going to like throw on because of what it's talking about. For sure. And it was completely because I shut down my lyric brain that I was able to fall in love with this song. It had everything to do with the sonic qualities of it. It's a jam. Which is what I loved. <laughs> right. So this is really funny. We're only on track six of a 13-track record, and our whole thing, <laughs> I feel like we always do this. We're like, all right, yes. we're just going to get in and out really quick. Not going to be a deep dive. <laughs> but but <laughs> I think I kept saying that, too, on the last Five Iron episode. I was like man, we're just rocking and rolling. We're just like knocking this all out. And then I was working on the edit. I'm like, oh my God, this is two and a half hours long. I got to cut it down (laughs) to like two hours. Yeah, I'll be honest. When you said we were going to make this one a quick episode and then I heard the album, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Nope. (laughs) There's so much. But here we are. But here we are. Here we are. So yeah, let's, let's keep going. Tyrannus. I didn't like it. Musically, lyrically? Uh, just in general. So you don't think it's important to push back on white supremacy and KKK values? Oh, well, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Dang. I'm just saying this Quarter. felt like a rise against B-side. Oh, shoot. I didn't love it. <laughs> You're not <laughs> wrong. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a much simpler man than you. No. I was like, ah, this is, okay. Next. <laughs> Okay, but but that that brings me to a point too that that I think is interesting about this record as a whole. Um, for me personally, uh, I felt like 
kind of going back to what we said about a lot of the records, I felt like it was too long. Mm. But then again, it totally makes sense that they did this independently. They did this, you know, based solely on financial backing from diehard Five Iron sure. fans. So it makes sense that that it would be this long because it satisfies like that audience. And they made a record. Taking a I little think, more creative liberty. Like to satisfy those people with right. that amount of songs. Though I personally could have cut this record in half. Hmm. Um, I, I do appreciate the fact that they were especially able to for the make... fans that have been waiting seven years for another record. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sure. Like yeah. it, it, it totally makes sense that they did it. Just personal preference. I thought it was too long. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so interesting though because it sort of brings me to an aha moment of my own. I think as a listener, I most want an artist to feel the freedom to chase down and humor their own muse. As a listener, I want to experience whatever that is. And after hearing it, I may decide I'm not crazy about it, but ultimately I'll have a lot of respect for an artist that embraced that. And I think I can give it a little more grace, even if I'm not crazy about it, if I know that they stay true to their vision. Right, right. I mean, but that's like, like for me, yeah, intellectually, I can totally respect that and totally understand that. But for me, it also kind of comes down to do I want to take the time to listen to a 13 track record as opposed to like a nine track record? Track seven, Auld Lang Xiety. I love that it is so chock full of references to your point about that, Kyle. It really is. So I like this is this is the first this one and Homelessly Devoted to You both have pretty specific yeah. musical references, right? Because he talks about Freddie, which I'm guessing is a mm-hmm. Freddie's voice cuts through the reference. din. Yeah, yeah, there's a Queen uh, reference and Homelessly Devoted to You talks about KRS one mm-hmm. in the tape deck, which is another one of my favorite lyrics. But yeah, yeah I, I I enjoyed that a lot. Do you guys know if he's talking about Louis Armstrong when he says that? Well, he says Armstrong, so I'm guessing he's talking about Louis Armstrong, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Armstrong singing on singing radio. No, right. he's talking about Neil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, Lance. He's, Lance. <laughs> yes. Lance, Lance Armstrong. Jordan France, Lance. Solo record. <laughs> Maybe there's another Armstrong musician out there that we don't know. Stretch Armstrong. They're definitely referencing Stretch Neil Armstrong, Armstrong. hardcore <laughs> band from the 90s <laughs> <laughs> that turned into Further Seems Forever. Yes. Mr. Niche Reference King over here. See, this is why we have Josh on. Yeah. He, he like, <laughs> he's here for context. I do have, at some point, I do have some, this could maybe go at the beginning, or probably at the beginning if you do even want it, but I do have some very Let's nerdy hear it. context for Fiber and Frenzy, just like for band makeup and stuff like that. Something interesting for Five Iron Frenzy that I discovered um, whenever I got into them was that for being a ska band, they have, what, eight members of the band? Mm-hmm. They have two guitarists, drummer, bass. They have uh, trumpet, saxophonist, trombonist, and then Reese singing. So they have eight members of the band. Right. And they've been a band for, like, did you say, like 25 years? Forever. Through that whole time, they've only had really one member change. After our newest album ever, which I'll covered. Scott 
their guitarist and I believe their primary songwriter left the band. Right. And so they replaced him with a new guy named Sonny on guitar. Um, so that was the only member change they had during their initial run from like 96 to 2003. And then when they brought the band back, um, their original bassist didn't return. But Scott, original guitarist and primary songwriter returned on bass and he returned as the primary songwriter so engine of a million plots was the first five iron record to have the songwriting done by the same guy who did the songwriting for the first two records interesting so they kind of pulled like uh uh what's not what's the other band that uh, taken back sunday oh, right did that yeah yeah too like where they came back like the two original members that left after the first record both came mm-hmm. back like you know 15 years later or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's still, I'm, I'm, I feel like, cause I mean, other than him, I think Dennis is the main other songwriter. Um, so I feel like I'm sure that he still, Scott was still probably the primary songwriter for this record too. Like he was on engine of a million plots. And Scott's so. also credited as the producer for this album. And what I'm wondering is whether he and or Dennis contributed lyrical content i do know on the last record um the lat on so i'm speaking for engine of a million plots that there was one song lyrics wise that was written by scott one mm-hmm. that was written by dennis okay and then the rest were re- written by reese i know for the demos for that one scott would make the songs and then just sing um he would sing stuff over them just to like have melodies mapped out right. and then reese would take the melodies and then just and then crap use them it. to put his lyrics in there yeah interesting but yes the dennis does write some i feel like a lot of bands um, do that i don't i can't work that way yeah no I, I just can't me neither yeah it seems like it would be really stifling creatively yeah i'd rather just give you a blank slate and be like hey come up with cool stuff right but that's cool that's interesting. Yeah. I also did want to mention one more thing about the references. There's an homage to Weezer and I think Ben Folds as well. Definitely Weezer. I don't know the Ben Folds one. Whatever, amen. One? Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. He says the workers are going home and then whatever, amen. They even do like a musical part because they do that part of My Name is Jonas basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so right. That was interesting. That was cool. Yeah. No, you're yeah, so great. Dude. I always wonder how much you can get away with that as far as like songwriting credit goes. I know. Yeah. I know. It's a good question. But maybe if you just use like, cause I mean the melody wasn't exactly, it was probably just right. different enough. Yep. I think so. And I don't know how you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting, but damn TJ. Yeah. I did not catch the Ben Fold reference, but hundred percent, hundred percent. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think for yeah. that reason, this song is in my top three for this album. It's so good. I, I think it. mine too. I think mine too. I'll say, I think for me, some some songs that like do a lot of references, like this one, once you kind of discover all the references, I feel like it takes maybe the fun out of it and it feels kind of like a more shallow song if you're just making a bunch of references. Mm. I do think the thing that gives it a little bit of impact um, is in the second verse he's talking about He's talking about um, kind of had it as a tape cassette cuts me like a bayonet before my bones are dust. This is how I fund your trust. Yeah. Give me your ears. Some give your ears some wanderlust headphones, make your heart combust. And I kind of thought of like, maybe if I can't give you like a trust fund, but I can pat, like I can't set you up like financially or whatever, but I can like pass down 
these things that have meant a lot to me oh. from music to you. And so that right. that's at least to me like, okay, there's some substance there. Maybe that was the inspiration for the song or maybe that was just a happy accident. So that's the one thing for me that I was like, okay, I do. I can appreciate what that song is trying to do if that's what it's trying to do. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting, man, because I also really resonated with this song. I thought it was really beautiful. I like that it's a little more sentimental and is kind of connecting the emotional nostalgia and music components. Um, But I had envisioned it as almost like a romantic message or maybe even like a friend to a friend. But I didn't pick up on that, like, inheritance, parent-child dynamic. So you're saying it's like a parent-child sort of thing? That's what I would think, yeah. He's kind of, like, showing his kid, like, oh, Freddie Mercury, Louis Armstrong, Weezer, Ben Folt, all these bands and artists have meant a lot to me that inspired me, kind of maybe passing them down. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. That was my interpretation. Really cool, actually. I love that you picked up on that. There you go. <laughs> the top two song now. <laughs> Stepped it up. Mm-hmm. That does kind of bring up something that I have been thinking about in regard to this album in general. And that's that I think Reese excels or at least connects with me personally uh, the most when he is being a little more genuine, a little more sentimental, a little more hard on his sleeve. And that's a perfect segue into Homelessly Devoted to You. I think this is my favorite song on the record. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. Tell me more. Why? It it, it reminded me of um, Blue Comb seventy six. Blue. I got those a lot vibes of too. Comb. Like I got a lot of those vibes. Like, and I don't think it was quite as autobiographical. Seventy eight. Seventy. Oh Jesus. Uh, as Blue Comb seventy eight. Um. Yeah, it didn't seem quite as autobiographical, but it had just some really interesting lyrics to me i i don't know maybe it was because the production felt relatively sparse compared to some of the other songs like it didn't feel as heavy and compressed it yeah, felt like kind of simple it had a little more room to breathe so i think i was able to pick up on some of the lyrics more it's kind of bright it's definitely one of the more major sounding songs that the yeah. one that like the biggest major sounding song that you we've got to for sure on the record i think so maybe it helps it yeah that helps it make seem a little bit brighter and more spacious. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I like the lyrical content. I like the conceit of it. Verse two on this song. Yes. Uh, was another one of my favorite chunks of lyrics. It's the one about the credit card, right? Yes. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's I don't know so what good. it is about that, but something about that whole chunk, which goes, I've got a credit card, but it just expired. Clip it to your bike spokes, pump up the tires, ride through the night, and we'll fly a kite. Then we'll use our flashlights for lightsaber fights. So good. It's so simple. But but like captivating. I, I don't know. I, I just really tuned into that. Yeah. And really enjoyed it. So that kind of made this one. I'm going to go ahead and put it on the board. This is my favorite song on the record. hey All right. I'm over here having a lightsaber fight on Zoom as we record. That's true. You sliced me up so many times by now. <laughs> you, you really Darth mauled me. I did. The force is with Five Iron Frenzy. No, I love it too because it resonates, you know? Yeah, this feels like a classic like Five Iron song where it, it's fun, but it also has like enough heartfelt in there for you to connect with it. Right. Um, and I so feel yeah. like it was, a, it, it was in a good place right. on the record. 
You know what I mean? There had been all this really, really intense. Yes. And we're going to get back to some more intense stuff, but it felt like a lift, a little bit of a breather. Right. You know, it felt, it felt almost like a, like a, an acknowledgement of like, whew, guys, I know we've been through a lot. Let's just like, <laughs> chill. yeah, let's just, let's take a break. <laughs> talk about KRS one and, and lightsaber fights and stuff. Cut and our credit cards up. We'll get back to the intense stuff, but you know, <laughs> Here you go. Let's just enjoy this moment. Right. I also really enjoy, as you're talking about where it's at in the album, I enjoy that it has that line about don't need a couch or the internet. It feels so intentionally placed since the next song is all about the woes of the internet. You know, it's like a little wink. Oh, I thought about that. Oh, yeah. See, TJ, you're Good so catch, smart. Good catch, TJ. You're so smart. Yes, thanks, you guys are yes. so smart. You guys just want to do this podcast without me. <laughs> no. I'm gonna go. I'm just. I'm just gonna go. No. I'm just gonna listen to this song and 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 Redbrush, '88 or whatever. Purple pineapple '72. <laughs> hairbrush. Where's my brush? Hairbrush. Where's my hairbrush? Moving on. There. One heart hypnosis. They real angry about that doom scroll. Oh. <laughs> they mad about it. Uh, what is what is the what is what is the intro of this song remind you guys of it reminds me of something and I can't put my fingers on it. It's a little, uh, once again, dude, the bass, uh, um, who is the bassist of this band? Scott Kerr. Scott. What is his last name? Kerr. K E R R. Scott Kerr is the MVP of this record. Preach. I feel like almost every song starts with just like letting him go. Amazing. Uh, You can tell a little bit, that because it's sort of that lead bass, you can tell a little bit that it's like a guitarist, yes, playing bass in a great way. Uh, because it's very much like the sort of lead busy bass, but well, and if he's the one writing all the songs, he's like, if I'm playing bass, I'm gonna give myself some <laughs> exactly. up mix, yeah. awesome bass lines, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get some sick. <laughs> who can play them really? Uh, it's so good, I love that, like, like really high on the neck bass, but that 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 weird, like, whiny synth reminds me of something and i can't place it yeah for an album in 2021 it feels really 90s like it feels almost yeah. like i want to say cake right but i don't know if that's it but something, something there, there's like that yeah something like that. but it doesn't sound like a fire and frenzy intro no not at all right so I, there's uh, some and i enjoyed that there yeah yeah it's interesting because i don't know why this is the feeling it gives me but it feels specifically like a secular sort of band Right. TJ yeah. is doing air quotes on secular. I am. It's true. The listeners yeah. out there. <laughs> but And as weird as this is, I actually really respect how uncomfortably spot on this song was as far as my own experience and my own relationship with technology. It says, we're busy people. We can't look up. We have our devices and that's enough. With scoliosis, we're going blind. The image is burned in the back of our minds. That is painfully accurate. Right. Even though I try to be pretty cognizant of it. Well, TJ, I, I, I mean, n- not to like armchair analyze you, but like based on <laughs> my on. relationship with you and all the things we've talked about specifically this year. Right. It totally makes sense why this song. Yeah. Above any of the others on this record resonated with you. That's true. Because I know we've talked a lot about just the specifically with the pandemic and the quarantine and stuff how it's weirdly been harder to 
not that it's weirdly been harder to connect with people, but it seems like, yeah, like I've noticed you a lot trying to engage with people on a personal level. And right. the more time we've spent on our devices and even on like zoom and stuff like zoom fatigue is real. Yes. seems like other people are in a lot of ways sort of less interested in, yeah. in doing that. Right. Yeah. And I guess I just feel like the internet is this crutch for us to try to find connection through it. But really it's a piss poor excuse for genuine connection with people. And then the chorus says, one heart analytics will apply. Two hearts, we have been notified. Three hearts, the days are passing by. Four hearts, and we've all been hypnotized. So it's sort of keying in on how social media can take a serious toll on our mental health. And yeah, I would say a good chunk of my day is spent trying to connect with people through social media and ending up feeling really empty and disconnected. Right. Yeah, this this feels almost sort of like a like a Black Mirror episode Ooh. in song form. Yeah. No, no, it does. It does. So, this was one that I wasn't crazy about as much. Um I did like in the later in the song they have like some horns going on and then you can like hear yeah. the horns like the delay they have some delay on the horns so you can hear the trails of the horns so i really like that as yeah, a, i love like, that that production thing was something i really liked in the song but other than that it wasn't one of the ones that really grabbed me as much but do you think yes, it would have grabbed you do you think it would have grabbed you more if it was um higher up on the record like if it if it came in sooner like cuz we talked about this with the last record the like scoff fatigue and we've talked about that in this episode, how I prefer shorter albums. I usually do tend to sort of like the, like the, like if you broke a, an album up into quarters, that third quarter is always where it, it, if there are songs in that section that I really love, it usually takes me way longer to get to because I'll listen to the rest of the record and then I just always kind of skip over and not really pay attention by that point. I think it's the placement of it is in a good place because I think like tempo wise and like I think it it fits in that era. I just thought I guess it was another uh, socio-political song without looking at the lyrics and until I like looked at the lyrics I was like oh okay this is bringing something new to the table. Right yeah. So until I got the lyrics in front of me, I was just thought I was like, okay, it's another one song that he's kind of angry at some stuff, but yeah. But then you were able to kind of connect with it. Yeah. I appreciated what it was saying a little bit more. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Me musically, I didn't love it, but, but lyrically I did pick up on a lot of that. And now, especially having this conversation with you, TJ, like bringing a lot more of those lyrics to light, it, it kind of puts it, uh, in a different perspective. Yeah. And I think I like just that it was like t- talking about another, uh, something else for the record of like having an, this record subject matter kind of go into another area instead of a not that less political. The songs are so angry when he's talking about social to not talk about social stuff, but it's like, yeah, I want you to talk about some social stuff, but I also like, we need to like some other stuff as well. So mm-hmm. I was looking at the lyrics. I was glad to be like, okay, we're also talking about some, not as political stuff, but maybe some social stuff that we all need to talk about right. as yeah. well. So going to a different area. Yeah, connecting the micro yeah. to the macro. And then they jump right back into the angry sociopolitical stuff. 
Wild Supplies Last. This is my yeah. least favorite song on the record. Really? Uh, man, I do like whenever he starts yelling at the end, though. Yeah. yeah. That one That one was fun. That part's fun. That, that Yeah, this song really starts at zero and then just blasts off lyrically musically production wise it fills out more on all levels it's like nothing to enraged spacex rocket yeah i mean musically i did really enjoy it but lyrically is where this song kind of lost me hmm, yeah it, why is that the i don't know yeah, give i give some I, examples i <sighs> well i'll say I, this the whole thing is basically one verse structurally right like there's not a feeling of a chorus to a verse right it feels very it's like poetic rock. it's just like like a poem yeah sort of but uh, this one just had a lot of what i felt were sort of on the nose revelations i guess i don't know it's just like it it, a little ham-fisted. There's a lot of really obvious stuff, like, yeah. um, did you waste your prayers protecting snipers while you hoarded all the Lysol and diapers? Ooh, gotcha. Um, and then the very end, put the hen house in the mouth of the fox. Right. And I don't know, so I looked up the lyrics, too. I don't know if you all saw. I looked at a couple different places, but fox is all in caps. All caps, baby. It's like, oh, fox, fox news. news. Like, oh, <laughs> Okay, you get it. You guys get what I'm saying. And it, it just Been listening like, to NPR Reese. Like it just uh <laughs> I don't know, it just it felt sort of like I understand where the anger's coming from. Like I I 100% get it. I I get the sentiment. Yeah, it's legitimate. Um I just didn't understand personally, I don't understand the need to yell. Like <laughs> talk about those kind the, those Issue the issues that are brought up in this beyond just trying to seem clever. Mm, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it also might be helpful though to contextualize it a little bit and remember that Reese has never in his music had an opportunity to sort of take this platform and be as explicit as he is here about a lot of things. You know, it's like the first That's time. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. This is his first opportunity to say all you're this. You're right, you're right. That that does... So he's got this chance to sort of take his flag and right, plant right. it in the and, ground and say, and, this is where I stand on these issues. And that's it's true. probably pretty cathartic for him, especially coming out of sort of the church music scene or the Christian music scene, you know? That's very true. And I can respect it and I can understand the importance of it and I can still not like it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Fair. But I get it. No, I totally get I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. I think I think to I just have an aversion to uh, references to Pharisees in songs. <laughs> yeah, I get that because that that it's a little specifically tired. feels very obvious. It's to about me. two thousand years tired, <laughs> right? Like it feels place. it. You, you know, you know what I mean. Like yeah, completely, it, it, completely. Just yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I do agree. With you. I do. I will. I'm with you on all this, Kylan. I do. The line before, I do like it. He says, "You fell asleep while Jesus stayed up weeping." I mm. think there's a lot to that. I think if he kept maybe the song in more kind of those like metaphorical terms, because that 
that line has a lot of thought and stuff that you could unpack and go into. So I like that one, but I'm with you on the rest of it. And if this song wasn't on the record, I wouldn't miss it. Yeah. So that's the thing is like, when I look at the lyrics, like individually, I really, really love all the lyrics, but there's something about it all together that is just sort of off-putting to me. Yeah, I think you're actually touching on something that I've been feeling. It seems like maybe collectively what we're feeling is angry political protest fatigue, right? Like we've talked about fatigue attached to other concepts like ska or jam band fatigue or something like that. And I think this is like angry protest song fatigue, you know, just specifically lyrically. Yes. Yes. Which, you know, it, it, it makes it, you know, we're in a very precarious position bringing this up as three straight white men. Yes. You know, talking about being fatigued with like protest and, and, Things like that, you know, like I, I feel like we're we're not really in a great position to say like, man, we're just like we're just tired of this. But more songs for, about your comb, more comb, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> bring back the comb. But yeah. but for me specifically, I do really appreciate it, and I I appreciate um, people protesting and 100%. and. and vocalizing these thoughts yes it's also just it's been a hell of a year for everybody and we all process it differently yeah it's a brutal you know and 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 for me to some extent that fatigue is real and then i think by the time that this comes on this record i i just i don't know i i feel really bad saying like okay yeah yeah we get it let's move on but if I'm being honest, that is kind of how I feel. Well, you're exhausted. I feel like I, I feel like that's a position that will get a lot of flack, and I totally understand it. Yeah. And I have no defense for it. I think I'm just tired in a lot of ways. Right. Well, and if I could, well, if I could kind of balance that out a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Help me. Help me out here. <laughs> well, I totally get it. I understand what you're saying. And at the same time, the reason I jumped in earlier, uh, talking about how from Reese's perspective and his experience, this is his opportunity to process on a lot of these things for the first time ever. So if this song is him kind of planting his flag in the ground, then I'm kind of standing a couple of steps away, nodding in solidarity saying, yes, this is important. And once you've got the flag firmly planted, can we calm down and just kind of talk about it? You know, just talk things out a little bit. Yeah. So that's where I land. I get the anger. I understand the emotion and the frustration in it. The experience is valid and the passion is good, you know, but like, let's talk it out. <laughs> I don't know. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I don't want to come off like insensitively. No, it's like, it's it's just like, yes, like, yes, I get it. Like, go for it. I don't know if I can join you. Or even I join you, but in a different way, you know? Right. Yeah. That, that yeah, that. And at the risk of using a really obscure metaphor, this whole album feels to me almost like Five Irons, 95 Theses. You know, if you're familiar at all with Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses on the Catholic Church door or whatever, Mm -hmm. this feels like their 95 Theses, this album. And this song 
feels like the headline with the most vitriol. Right. And I'm just standing off to the side going, bold move, buddy. Yeah, so, I mean, I think a lot of it with, I think with maybe some of the fatigue that maybe you're saying with this, Kylan, is like, you're like, look, I'm on your side. Stop yelling at me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like yeah, I, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm, I'm not I'm, the problem that you're complaining about. So why don't we... Move yeah, I might be like something. a little bit like preaching to the choir a little. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I'm genuinely curious how many Five Iron listeners are out there going, huh, you know, I've never thought about that that way before. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, that's also like... <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. And and I, th- I think it, just the context of that in terms of like political things are like, for me, it always feels a little weird because it's like, like, I don't think like that. Like when I write a love song... I'm not just like, you know, how many people that are listening to this are like, okay, we get it. You're in love. Oh, it's like, a romantic like, song. Fucking move on, you know, like, but with, I, I think too, I, very topical things uh, in terms of art and in media and stuff are really confusing for me because I don't know how much they're like, it, it feels very much just of the moment. And then I worry about like, if it'll stick, you know, how will this, how will this read 10 years from now? How will this read 20 years from now? Because, you know, like, that's why like the best SNL bits aren't about like the president current political situation. It's, you know, I need more cowbell, (laughs) you know, it's like, but like when things are, things are very specific and very topical, it feel, it feels very impermanent. And so then it feels like, well, why like what what's like, the point why put this on the record i don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah you're thinking about what has staying power and what's timeless because that's what's got substance and essence yeah it's interesting for this song this is the only one i've noticed um is that on the website that i'm on it has uh an album cover that's different. It says like Scott against racism, a benefit for oh, racial equality. So yes. I guess this song was maybe on that, which would make sense for it being more. Okay. I was reading something. about that. Yeah. Yes. I think this was featured on the Scott against racism, which has been the Scott against racism tour has been around since 1998. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that, that's pretty cool. And that does actually, give it some more context. Yeah. Maybe it was written for that. And then they were like, we'll also just put it on the record. Who knows? Yeah. The first tour had less than Jake mustard plug, the toasters, five iron frenzy, MU three, three, zero blue meanies, Mike park and Kamuri. How oh, they recognize the first one. Yeah. On the very first tour. So it was like a tour that five iron, I guess five iron has been a part of this sort of movement since the very beginning. Okay. So that does give it a lot more context. That's interesting. Okay, but see, that's what that's what I think is great. Okay, cards on the table. I'm not waiting till the end. This album for me is a bop. What? It, okay. it really All is. Right. It really is. And and this is part of it. This is part of it because like, who would have thought in 2021 that a 25 year old ska band would have <laughs> an album that would bring three people that are familiar with the band to varying degrees have this kind of conversation. Like like we said in the very beginning, like right. we had been talking for a while about like, okay, we're just going to do like a quick overview yeah. 
of this record and now we're like an hour and a half. There's a lot to process. There is a (laughs) lot to process and that's really interesting. And I think that's really important. And I think this, you know, and and for all the, the things I was talking about, like the topical impermanence and stuff, I think there's something about this record that will in some way or another have some sort of staying power, at least in terms of people that are familiar with Five Iron Frenzy. Hmm. Yeah, it's a moment and I think, in time. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah, because like, like the fact that that we want to talk about that and and dig deep into the context of like where this came from lyrically, uh, I think that, I think that's pretty cool. Wow, yeah, wow. you just put it all out there, man. Put it on the table. Wow, I did, man. I'm surprised it's a bop. I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep it going. I got to say, I like that you decided to break from the form, that you had this sense of desperation that you needed to say it. Yeah, of course. Well, I feel like I've been really hard on a lot of the records <laughs> for the first, like, five episodes. True. Oh, although I did give Amy Grant's Christmas album. I did say that was I, a bop. That was a surprise bop. You did. Right. From you. That was that was my Ebenezer Scrooge moment. But I also it was the middle of the night and I was sleepy and I was holding my child and sitting in front of a Christmas tree. And so a lot of that was just little sort baby of, Christmas magic yes, twinkling. There's 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 something that and I think once I got all the Christmas pageant stuff off of my the chest. Of Kyle and I was like, okay, I you know, I Man, that I was, was able to stuff, the Christmas I was able to stuff. able to I process. But yeah, dude, I really do think this is a bot. Nice. Uh, I think, well, well I, I'll go into reasons more. Let's yeah. let's maybe talk about the rest of the songs. Do we have a lot yeah, more? I can take us in. Um, following your segue of a bop, if I can talk about Wildcat, the next song, I, I'll say a couple things about it. Um, this is one of my favorites on the record. Um, this is tied with probably Into the Outdoor. I'd say Into the Outdoor is probably just, that one's too fun. So that's, that's my favorite. Wildcat's probably my second favorite. Um, okay. There's a couple of reasons for that. This and maybe the next song maybe remind me the most of Engine of a Million Plots. They have similar vibes, kind of feel. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, but I really love the cadence for the verses. I think it has a really cool story. Um, and kind of puts you like obvi- from the first part, from the first lyrics from the song starting, you get put into like this scene of this character. Um so I uh, I like the chorus is really catchy. You, you wildcat, wildcat, and the, all the stuff that it talks about. Um, and then the last thing I'll say about it is that this one, unlike all the other critique songs on here, the bridge has a little bit of grace and redemption in it because he says, "For all have fallen short in sin, the wound is where the light shines in." Mm. So this is one that I think stands apart in all of those as like. Hey, there's this guy who's tearing up North Dakota for oil and trying to just going after all this money and doing all this bad stuff. But maybe there's some room for grace in there as well. Mm, yeah. But yeah. So that's interesting lyrically, but also sonically and musically. I just really enjoy it melodically. So it's one of my favorites. It, this one, it was very like, um, it was very pop punky. Yeah, it was very. It was probably the most. Yeah, pop punk. That's probably why I like it more on than the some record. Of the yeah, ones. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Yeah, so the album I feel like starts to kind of pick up again. I also here. could be wrong about this, but I also think it is the only song on the album that is like a story song. 
kind of telling the narrative of just one person, you know? Yeah. Right. That's not from Reese. Yeah. Right, right. Sort of like from our newest album ever, uh, Banner Year. And I really thought this album would have a lot more of those story songs. So I was kind of surprised that this was the only one. But it stands out for that reason. Yeah. Well, I felt that way. Like, I I feel like I'm getting a consensus from you all, too. Like, some of the some of the standout songs on the record are different enough from the other songs that like if they had had a lot more of those specific kinds of things on the record, it, it wouldn't have stood out as much. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, which, which I, I think for instance, with our newest album ever banner year stood out that way. I feel like in a negative way, but I don't know what it is about this record, but there are a couple of those songs that like hmm. don't exactly fit within all the other songs that I think each of us have kind of picked up on for different reasons and enjoyed for different reasons. Right. Yeah. Maybe because maybe that's also because this album is so new and we had no expectations. True. Yeah. You know, we hadn't grown up hearing about this record or hearing certain songs from it or whatever, you know, yeah. which is how we come into a lot of the other records that we talk about. Right. So maybe we were, maybe we we're just a lot more open-minded this time. We have the benefit of freshness. Yeah, that's true. And then like something I missed, this song was the much needed injection of upbeat, positive energy that the doctor ordered for me, at least. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, th- this and and the last song, uh, I don't know how to say that, Huerfano. Huerfano. Yeah, both both of these sort of like felt like uh, a little bit of a reward. Yeah. For for getting through <laughs> getting the like through all that really intense. I was gonna say dessert, but then I think Huerfano has the sheet talks about sheet cakes, so maybe that's what I was thinking of. Oh yeah, no, no, it's this one. It's this one. Oh, it's this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. One. Yeah. Yeah. Talks about sheet cake. Yeah. No, yeah, it was a little. De- it was the the dessert, at the very end. Yeah, yeah, I love that they leaned into that weird imagery. That line that says, "I need a low dose of you believing in me. I need a sheet cake made of victory." And I gotta admit, at the first listen, I cringed a little bit. I was like, "Ugh, I hate that." But then the more and more I listened to it, it grew on me. I was like, yeah, put that sheet cake yeah. right here in front of me. Right. <laughs> I want exactly. a big piece of victory, you know? So this is one that I liked on initial listen. And then the more and more I listened to it, the less those nitpicks I had mattered. And the more I just fell completely in love with it. So it really took, you said, like that that third listen where you, exactly. just, were, you just kind of accepted it for what it was. Yes. That it just washed nice. over me. Yeah, this was when a couple listens in. I guess I didn't really pay attention to it that much. Or maybe I was just thinking like, oh, I liked Wildcat. And it wasn't until like maybe my second or third listen that I was like, oh, this song I really like. It stood out to me as well. And I really liked it for all the same reasons that you were mentioning as well. I think I really like the chorus. It's a real fun one to sing along to. And mm-hmm. yeah, the Lotus of You Believing in Me and a She Cake of Victory is, that's a great visual. So yeah. I'm for it. It really is. All right. So down to the last song. Yep. We've done it. Our 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 quick little discussion. So quick. <laughs> on, our, on our thoughts on this record, right? One hundred three minutes. Bite sized. I know. I'm also sorry well, for any if we're members being honest, of Josh, 
Josh is really the only person that ever listens. I I also he's wanna, already here. So yeah, <laughs> it's so weird putting out this like with a, a record that just came out, especially in like the age of social media. I'm like, what if like Reese or one of the members of Five Iron like listened to it and like we just that's what we're hoping. I'm just dogging them the whole time. Like I really <laughs> no. appreciate what y'all are doing and. I know art is hard, so I don't want to yes. sound right. better yeah. than you. For but sure. Yes. Mad respect, Five Iron. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, TJ and I have talked about that a lot too, especially when we when Five Iron just commented the emoji yeah. on our Instagram post. And then I like panicked. I was like, oh, fuck. I don't remember <laughs> if I gave this album a flop or a bop, and I'm pretty sure I said it was a flop. <laughs> and so like, what am I going to do? But TJ allayed my fears a little bit and said that, you know, hopefully they would appreciate that yeah. this amount of like critical analysis yeah. has gone into a work that they've created because I know I would, I would appreciate that. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, this all comes from a place of love. Absolutely. Maybe that's something we need to communicate more. Uh, this, this whole podcast is just like sort of like a passion project It's because we're music nerds. It's because we just like love music and just think about it all the time. Yeah. It's like a love that, letter. Each album that we choose to cover is an album that meant a lot to us. Right. For one reason or another. Right. So even if it is like a flop, it's like, well, we took a lot of time to like think over it. And a lot, I will say too, uh, excuse me, with the exception of Jesus Freak, (laughs) all the other flops have been just like by a hair. Mm, You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like just, just barely. Barely. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's fun to talk you about. Pro- and and you approach it in like a constructive criticism kind of way. Like maybe if they would have done this a little differently instead of being like, these guys are trash songwriters. Yeah. Right. Which which I do feel like happens a lot specifically like on social media and stuff. Like everything is so like black and white. Like, like you know, you know, the new Marvel movie is either the greatest thing that's ever happened in cinema or it's a complete pile of garbage. But like there's no just like... Yeah, it was pretty good. You know, that like there there's no like talk about why like I feel like some moderation is key. Yeah, we bring a nuanced conversation to the table. Some nuance. Mm-hmm. So do you guys have anything to say about about this last song before we get into hmm. Yeah. Our final thoughts. I do wanna say I really appreciate the song. I think it's really on brand for Five Iron Frenzy. You know, they've done a lot of songs that are like, Hey, bullying is bad, don't do it. Everyone is beautiful in their own way. Right. You know? And you can write it off as kind of silly, but I think that even in 2021, it's a message that is actually really important and profound for a lot of people. Yeah. Myself included. I literally got dropped into a trash can in middle school. You really? So, you know, I get it. (laughs) And maybe Kylan has a story about bullying that happened at youth group. Like during a game or something, yeah. And there was there was the one game where people were were like blindfolded, and they had to like smell different things and guess what they were. And I was a weird. I didn't have any friends in the youth group. My mom thought it'd be really funny um, oh, no. to take a, a pair of my tidy whities and put chocolate oh, syrup on them. Bad move. And when one of the students got up on stage to do that, you know, they like were smelling it and she like smushed it in their face, and then it was like oh, no. up on the stage like. These are Kylan's. These are Kylan's tidy whities. Oh, these dirty tidy whities, and everyone oh. thought it was so funny. You told everybody they were yours. Well, yeah, yeah, that was like the oh, whole no. like joke. Ugh. And I know it wasn't intentional, but that was like that was an extremely dramatic experience. <laughs> yeah, for 
Of course it yeah. was. So there's my bullying story. That's all the stuff um, that I'm going to try to remember, like, as a parent to, like, oh, this might, I might think this is funny, but I'm going to try to not <laughs> yeah. do that. Right, right. Well, because, okay, but it I'm just try. felt like, like, because like, my Keller. mom, like, everyone in the youth group, like, loved my mom, but most of the youth group was, like, the super athletic, everyone's wearing uh, Chacos cool and playing kids. Ultimate Frisbee. And I remember the first time I went to youth group and they were like, hey, say your name and, and say something about yourself. I was like, um, you know, a chubby little eighth grader. And I'm like, my name is Kylan. Um, I took a map of Middle Earth that Tolkien drew in 1960, along with an original manuscript of The Hobbit. And I deciphered the entire Dwarvish runic alphabet. <laughs> and everyone was just like, fucking okay. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I would have been your friend, actually. Best buds. <laughs> I don't know if I, I would have said it then, but I yeah. The, I would have, like, now I'm like, that's so impressive. Like, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, way out of my league. Yep. I, w- I would sit in my room, listen to my adventures in, o- in Odyssey tapes. Yes, that's the stuff. And pouring over a map of Middle Earth. You beautiful nerd. J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien is looking down. He's like, ah, future philologist right there. <laughs> my life's work. <laughs> yep. Screw an Amazon show. This is it. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to derail, but when you talk about bullying, it just... Yeah, the point is we all have reasons to resonate with this song. Well, I don't know. Josh, you didn't give us any stories. Yeah, yeah. You might have been a bully. Yeah, I was the bully for sure. No. Bully? I was, I was, homes- I was homeschooled, and then I went to <laughs> private school. I was bullied. <laughs> I was not a cool kid. But I, Josh, I might have bullied you in college too. You probably did a little bit. I always, yeah, I was a pretty nice person until Kylan would just get real snappy with me, and I'm like, all right, I'll be snappy back. So. <laughs> you learned. He made me. He made me who I am today. No, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I need to get sharpened up a little bit. But I also soft. remember too being in college. I'm not a cool and, guy. And and there'd be certain times when you would like leave the room and be like, hey Josh, I love you. Aww. And you would get so uncomfortable, and you'd just be like, okay. <laughs> And look at you now. Love you, Kylan. Love you too, man. Oh, such emotional intelligence. Yeah. This, 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 my mentorship came from a lot of different oh, angles. I had a lot of different approaches. Yes. Tear you down, yeah. build you back <laughs> you're up. All, you're all things to all people. Genius. Like exactly. the Apostle Paul. You had it all figured out, man. Okay, so circling back here, this song is the most classic punk song on the album. Yep. I, think. It, I thought it was a good musical bookend. Yeah. I thought it tied in well with the first song musically. Huh. Like it helped sort of give it a little bit of cohesion. Yeah. I like that you said that because it actually challenges my initial thought on how this album ends, you know? Originally, I thought that this and Something I Missed should have been swapped because that song sounds like a more bright, buoyant, grandiose closer song. And it also reminds me of Every New Day, which I think is an incredible closer right. for an album. So I kind of thought they needed to be switched. Should have been switched? Yeah. And I get that too. But I kind of like your bookend thing now that you say it. Yeah. yeah. This feels like the sequel to Sucker Punch. Yeah. Mmm. Oh, lyrically, not feels. Yeah. God, you guys are so smart. I love y'all. It's only so because we oh, just covered too, our newest album ever <laughs> that, uh, that <laughs> right. we can like go in with. Like, I mean, such... we just covered yeah, it I know. in we're July, not... but it just came out. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but we're not like mentioning any of the other like records in this intricate detail. <laughs> like, right. Reminds right. me of on Electric Boogaloo 2 when they, in their seventh <laughs> track. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I, I feel like our newest album, album ever is still pretty fresh in our minds. Yeah, right. Which is part of why we wanted to talk about this record too. And it works, yeah. Which I feel like this discussion was relatively successful. Mm. We'll see if anybody else agrees. I'm thrilled about it. But I thought it was worthwhile. I thought it was worthwhile. So I want to ask you guys, I know TJ, you're usually the guy that asks, but since I already Please. Jumped said in. it, I'm going to ask you guys. So yeah. was this album a flop or a bop? Ooh. Until This Shakes Apart, 2021 Five Iron Frenzy record, flop or a bop? Mm. I have come in my, in this couple of days of being exposed to it, my uh, my thoughts on this record have changed every time I listen to it. And they've been changed more positively every time I listen mm, to it. Okay. The first time I wasn't cool. really crazy about it, but then yeah. I listened to it again. And I liked it sonically a lot more. And then all the stuff that we've dealt with, um, it's growing on me more and more every time. Nice. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about it too. Like, like I enjoyed it. Like that first, like that first listen through, I was like, yeah, okay, this is okay. But then after I stopped, I stopped listening to it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Same. And it made me want to go back. And Same. then it made me appreciate more and more. Yeah. The more I listened to it. Yeah. And like yesterday, I found myself like wanting to listen to certain songs again. And then I listened to one song and I'm like, okay, I can listen to the next song as well. So uh, I, I've i been liking this album more and more. It's hard because it's, it's hard to take it out of the shadow of Engine of a Million Plots for me, which I love and I think is a mega bop. Um, so obviously like whenever a band has an album like that, that comes out that you're like, so crazy about, it's like a real Amberlynn city situation. When they come out with new surrender, you're like, oh. uh, is it going to match up? <laughs> I don't know. But on its own, I do think it will be confirmed to be and is a bop. Oh, sweet. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm growing more into it, but yes, I feel comfortable saying that. Cool. That's awesome. I'm really curious. Like what? how this album is going to read by the end of the year. Yeah. You know, because th- this has come out in a very specific time. I mean, we're recording this the day before the inauguration. After last week, there was all the riots and stuff at the Capitol. I feel like a lot of these political things are just sort of hmm. in the collective consciousness. Sub- yeah, exactly. And we're yeah. thinking about them and talking about them a lot. And so I am curious how after we get some distance from that, how we're going to feel about the record, but I, I do feel like, um, it's going to be a bop. It's the first, I mean, it's obviously very early in the year, but it's the first like great record that's come out this year that I've listened to. Yeah. Same. Hmm. What about you, TJ? What's up? What's your deal? Hmm. Yeah. So this is really interesting to me because I was surprised at Kylan's answer. For one thing, it came way early, <laughs> earlier than we anticipated. So I got to keep something. you guys on, on your toes, man. I didn't even know we were flopping or bopping this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, got to. Okay. And then, oh, Josh, I resonated with what you said about it as far as it growing on you and you kind of warming up to it, you know. So I don't do this to be stubborn or obstinate in any way, truly, but I just can't land anywhere with this album and like i said i'm not trying to be difficult but the jury's just still out i guess okay and the reason i feel okay to take exception on this one is because it's not one of our 90s or 2000s albums right it's still so new yeah it's still so new exactly 
So I don't think I have had enough time right. to really make a good decision about That's it. That's totally valid. And and it's like like we talked about before, the way that we come to our conclusions of flop or bop are a little bit different. Right. And for me, I feel like if if the album brings something to the musical conversation, which I think it did, and definitely I want to listen to it again. Right. You know, I like I'll at some point in the next week I'm gonna to listen to the album. Listen again, to a brand which... new ska record in twenty twenty one. Great, great. Yes. So but so that's a, but that's a TJ, big I, it's an accomplishment. Yeah. But I like I totally respect that. I think I think you're mm-hmm. I think yeah, because we didn't even talk about whether we were gonna do flop or bop. So I mean that's that's a totally valid reaction. To this record. Yeah, and I want to make the distinction that this is not a cop out answer just because I didn't know if we were gonna do flopper bob. Well, yeah, no, no, I was no. like I'd... totally ready to say, yeah, whether it was or not, or at least I gave a lot of thought toward whether it was or not. And I think the reason I can't answer in this sort of binary way is because humans are complicated, art is complicated, and being a fan is complicated, and so. Because this album's lyrical content is so dense and really complex. And when I listen to music like this, I invest on a heart, mind, and soul level. So it was all I could think about. You know, because as we've said many times, I'm like the lyrics-centric guy. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't even begin to break down the production or melodic components or musicality of it on that first listen. But it was undeniably strange and strikingly resonant, like deep in my bones in a way that I can't shake. Yeah. But I can't make an assessment. I think that's great. I'm, I am I think that's awesome. I think that answer, too, is super articulate and super succinct. And I don't think we can do anything to top it. So I think we should end our discussion about it right here if you guys are cool with yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. I do want to say, though, yeah. thank you, Five Iron Frenzy, for making this album. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for giving three friends that haven't got to see each other in person and who knows how long yeah. uh, and who have a million crazy things going on in their lives have a reason to sit down and talk about something. Like that's the beauty of yes. of, of good music and good art. Uh, and yeah, I you know, even though I didn't donate to the Kickstarter or do anything, I you know, I, I think for me I think just the fact that we were able to talk about this makes this album relatively important to me. And I think my estimation of the album went up. Nice. Through our conversation. That's cool. Same for me. Um, Yeah. Which is cool. I agree. So, yeah, I think that's going to be about it. Uh, So just really quick, you guys should rate, review, and subscribe, blah, 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 all the things. All the things. I will say we have one five-star review on iTunes. Yes. I feel like most people are listening on Spotify, but if you do listen on iTunes, please just give us a rating and a review. You can just totally say some nonsense, but that helps more people find out about us. And if you say something cool, then we will totally shout you out on a future episode. Also, follow us on Instagram, uh, Church Jams Now, on Facebook, Church Jams Now Podcast. And we do have a Patreon. So if you like this, uh, we've got more bonus content more fun episodes doing cover of the month club so things like that that um we're gonna just keep doing it's it's pretty cheap but if you like these types of conversations and want to be part of them 
that is the place to do it. So fun. And lastly, we should maybe just talk about uh, we should talk about what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah, Kylan, I'm not sure if you've heard, but it's been confirmed that the aliens have landed. The aliens have landed. We put up a poll and you guys decided that the next album we're talking about is Alien Youth by Skillet. Skillet, Skillet, Skillet. What year did that album come out? Oh, one. I think. Yeah. It's coming up in 20 years. I think so. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. 20 year anniversary of Alien Youth by Skillet. I'm I'm stoked to talk about it. Me too. Uh, I think it'll be fun. So next week, we will go back to your regularly scheduled programming on Church Jams Now. Church Jams Now.